Hello and welcome. I am Dr. Lara May, a clinical pharmacist specializing in functional medicine, as well as a certified yoga teacher and Reiki master. I run a truly integrative health coaching practice, encompassing functional medicine lab testing, yoga and meditation, and a sprinkling of Reiki energy medicine. Join me here on Light Body Radio to break through your health plateau and come into alignment with your natural vitality. Hello and welcome. Welcome to Light Body Radio. I am your host, Dr. Lara May, and today I have with me Jaron Lucas. He is the CEO and founder of Yum Wolf Natural Pet Food, a non-GMO dog food brand, and he is also the author of The Canine Comega Effect. Welcome, welcome. I'm so excited to um, talk about this with you, and this is going to be interesting because we're going to start from the pet perspective, but I have a feeling we'll also like merge into the human, the human impacts of this as well. Yeah, that's definitely one of the cool things about the canine Coco Mega effect is it's not only for canines, it works equally on humans too. And that's one of the takeaways that I hope people really get from the book is the fact that combining certain fats together can help us create extra microbiome diversity, which ultimately is associated with greater longevity. So excited to chat about it today. Yeah, um, I think that's something that we don't really, I mean, there's a lot of um, talk out there these days about the microbiome, but we're still just starting to scratch the surface of its implications and its impact on not only our health, but like you said, longevity. Yeah, the crazy thing about microbiome research is it really only started to gain speed about 10 years ago. And unfortunately, the more that we study it, the more we realize we don't know anything about it. In fact, one of the chapters that I have at the end, I mean, I think a lot of us at this point know like there's good bacteria and gut bacteria and they're fighting in the microbiome. I do discuss that in the book for uh, not only for people who don't already know about that, but I kind of give some more research into like, you know, getting into the next level of understanding around that. However, one of the things that I realized in writing this book happened because I did a collaborative chapter at the towards the end with a veterinarian named Dr. Ava Frick. And this was a really interesting chapter for me because we started to explore the connection between the microbiome and uh, basically mineral imbalances, which is uh, a bigger deal than I realized. But mm -hmm. one of the really just kind of like short, interesting takeaways from that is for people suffering from IBS, that tends to be a very significant temporary mineral imbalance that affects um, essentially electrolytes in the um, in the intestines or stomach. So though when when for instance when additional potassium is released back into the digestive tract that also has an impact on what bacteria are in our gut microbiome. So that's an area that's literally at the bleeding edge of microbiome research. We don't know too much about it yet, but we we are seeing the early signs of those links. And it just shows how kind of like circular everything is, how 
how new this research really is altogether. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. So let's back up a little and just um, tell us a little bit about you and how you became, you know, interested in, in doing this work. Yeah, definitely. Well, I previously came from a tech background and data analytics background, which I applied after learning that I have food allergies, uh, uh, decided to apply that to pet food. And, you know, I, I was one of those stories that's way too common where like all of my dermatologists just gave me steroids and different medicine. It, you know, worked for a while all the way up to the point, you know, it works until it doesn't and you go, you go deeper and deeper. And it got even to the point where one doctor injected me with steroids and I didn't know any better at the time. And, and so, you know, that worked really well for six months until, you know, all of my like skin flare ups started coming back even worse than before. Mm -hmm. Well, turns out, I just have food allergies. And as long as I don't eat certain foods, I don't get any skin issues. Something that like no dermatologist had ever uh, even suggested I uh, might be a cause. And yeah. so, you know, through that process and through, you know, just like falling in love with my own dog and, and a lot of things that kind of happened to me, you know, that, that Young Wolf actually kind of came out of me spending a year in meditation, uh, deciding that I wanted to do something very tangible for the world. So that's where I got to like, let's, I wanted to elevate a physical type of thing that could improve nutrition. And unfortunately, too many pet food brands today are, you know, essentially so tied into different retailers and middlemen that the actual value we get, you know, just pretty much you could throw every dry kibble into this to start. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, you know, as I explored the industry more and more, I just really started to understand how bad the shape of the pet food industry is. And so, you know, just all of these learnings over the course of uh, half a decade now have all kind of come together. And, you know, that became Yum Wolf. And Yum Wolf is a non-GMO dog food brand with air-dried dog food, uh, basically as premium as it gets. And so we've really been trying to create ultimately products that I want to feed my own dog with all of my crazy requirements, like no peas, no legumes, keep it low carb you know, keep it air dried so we don't oxidize the fats Two of the biggest uh, kind of like bad things you see in pet food today are seed oils and uh, oxidized fats. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we, we just kind of do all these things to hopefully help dogs live longer through better gut health. Yeah. So what exactly is the Coco Mega effect specifically? The Coco Mega effect is a very interesting synergy that coconut oil and omega-3s have on each other. And this is very new research that's only been seen over the last few years. But in my book, I cite 162 studies supporting uh, this effect and, and its validity. Mm -hmm. It's very cool, though. When you combine MCTs and lauric acid from coconut oil with especially fish oil, although it hap it really does work with all types of omega-3s, but specifically with the DHA form, uh, which is like a higher quality, you, you tend to see it. It's like the reason people take fish oil, basically. 
when you combine coconut oil and fish oil, they have these synergistic properties that do two things. They they have anti-inflammatory effects that you don't get from either alone. Uh, so you're kind of boosting the anti-inflammatory properties of these super fats. And then in addition to that, uh, they are shown to lead to greater microbiome diversity. They, it's, it's almost like taking a probiotic, even though you're not and so uh, these these effects that it has, along with uh, the the greater microbiome diversity, should be expected to create greater longevity in our dogs and humans. And so that's really what I go about uh, go talking about in the book is uh, the recent research really supporting it with facts. Um, again, lots and lots of studies kind of supporting that this works, and we see it all the time at Yum Wolf. Like our our products have kind of already been pre-formulated even before we realized that we were taking advantage of this Coco Mega effect. Mm -hmm. uh, that's really what we've been doing, it turns out, over the last three years. And so, um, you know, we have so many dogs who come to us taking allergy medicine like Apoquil and uh, very, very kind of like harsh on the body. So a lot of pet parents want to get their dogs off that uh, maybe like having a more natural treatment for it. And, you know, every dog is different, of course, but, you know, we've seen so many success stories on like just dogs completely either getting off Apoquil, reducing their, their um, symptoms substantially. Uh, so, you know, I think that that can really be attributed to, you know, what we dive into in the research here with, you know, coconut oil and, and omega-3s. So, so you mentioned seed oils at the beginning of this conversation. Um, why is that such a big deal? And what's so what's, I guess, why are they so damaging? Yeah. And, and people often refer to seed oils as inflammatory, but I feel like we don't really appreciate what that means. It, you know, it sounds something that's a little bit woo-woo or wishy-washy. Oh, it's inflammatory. But uh, what what I talk about in the book, and I go into like the biochemical reactions that are happening here. Mm -hmm. But uh, an example is that seed oils, which are high in omega six, very very high in omega six, lead to the production of inflammatory molecules like PGE two and cytokines. These are all like very much associated with every autoimmune issue. Like mm -hmm. uh, people who have autoimmune issues tend to have an overproduction of these things. And so when we feed ourselves or our dogs too many, you know, we're, it's, it's sort of like um, our bodies are resilient. They can, they can eat a little bit of seed oil, but uh, when we are in a chronic state of just every day eating 16 to one omega six to omega three, we're not doing our body any favors. We are putting it, we are supporting chronic inflammation by doing that. Whereas if we can get closer to a one to one omega three to omega six ratio, then we're allowing these omega threes to actually inhibit a lot of these inflammatory pathways. And that you know, when I was talking about this collaborative chapter that I did with Ava Frick, that is one of the, we have a really cool chart in that section showing how these Cocomega super fats actually block inflammation at various points along that pathway. So you really can reduce inflammation just by rebalancing omega-3s to omega-6s as a start. And so when we think about Pet parents, you know, it's like there there are certain steps to take. The the first one is 
to stop feeding our dogs dry kibble like that alone i i mean that can add years to your dog's life mm-hmm. and so you know one and and the the number one reason besides like all the terrible ingredients in it is the fact that there is no such thing as a non-inflammatory dry kibble because the dry the hot extrusion process used to cook it oxidizes all the fats and so mm-hmm. we just keep feeding our dogs free radicals over time unfortunately you know i don't i don't think that there's like a major conspiracy here however uh we should be mindful of the fact that the largest pet food companies mars and nestle which own like 70 percent of pet food in the united states also own the majority of the veterinary clinic so you know i don't think they're like trying to harm animals or anything but they certainly don't have an incentive to uh make things better so mm-hmm. to speak so you know and, and we don't see that happening if anything their ingredients keep getting worse they you know anytime we try to launch a new product you know we're always being pushed back towards dry kibble and you know it's it's because it's easy for a lot of these manufacturers mm. it's cheap it's easy it's what they've been set up to do so you know we we have just been working extra hard trying to launch better products and it is hard to do but uh, you know, obviously, we we all want our dogs to live longer, and the first way to do that is to just feed them natural food. Yeah, uh, I mean, I it's so funny that, or maybe not funny that that can be such a foreign concept to so many of us is feeding our animals, our their pets that we love, actual real food. <laughs> you know, it, it um, really is funny, Lara. <laughs> it because. I guess it even took me a long time to really appreciate the fact that like we're all biological creatures. Mm -hmm. There isn't too much like humans and dogs in particular are very similar. Uh, You know, there are definitely differences like, you know, we can eat chocolate and dogs cannot, but you know, as long as dogs can eat whatever ingredient we're looking at as well, uh, the biological effects on them are almost always the same as they are on humans. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you, maybe this might be a little random, but since we were just talking about the the dry kibble and how there's really not a good one, um, you know, there has been this talk lately about the grain-free kibbles causing more heart problems with dogs. Uh, is there gravity and weight to that or like like why would a grain free versus a grain filled kibble be different Ooh, we're bringing up the most controversial topic <laughs> in all of pet food so good <laughs> it, but it's a good one and you know you're referring to this dcm heart issue that uh, kind of came to prominence around 2018 where a study showed that all these grain-free diets had been linked to heart issues in dogs, um, basically heart inflammation. And so, you know, once once that happened, pet parents, I think in mass, just said, we have to go back to grain-inclusive diets. And we really did formulate our first product, Perfect Kibble, which despite the name is an air-dried dog food, but we really formulated it with that in mind. Like there were a couple of things that pet parents started to look at um first they said let's let's go grain inclusive second they started saying let's not use what some of the 
other ingredients that are put in grain-free dog foods, including peas and right uh, peas and legumes. So those were highly connected also to potentially inhibit uh, inhibiting the uptake of taurine. All of this kind of tied into like dogs not getting enough taurine. Uh, sometimes you also saw taurine being added as a supplement. Uh, taurine, by the way, is like, well, we do add it to Perfect Dog Food Mix, another one of our products, kind of for that reason, just to help pet parents feel safe. But like, again, it's one of those things where you are, your dog is probably getting enough taurine. And so it's a very, it's been a very uh, controversial topic. I mean, the FDA even came out with a new paper a couple of years later, basically discrediting their first one. Mm-hmm. But they've provided no answers, and also is a very limited sample size of around 300 dogs, and so n- really nobody knows what happened. But l- if we use a little bit of common sense, we can pretty safely say that dogs don't need grains in order to live a long life or not get not get DCM. So, you know, we while I still think that we don't know what caused it. Um, and anyone who says that they do is probably behind on the research, you know, at, at the same time, we can just like look to an ancestral diet as to what dogs might be able to, uh, thrive with. So we're going to say that like, you know, a high meat, probably nose to tail diet is going to be a good idea for dogs. Um, they are scavengers, so they are able to eat, like they do eat grasses in the wild. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we've all seen our dog eat grass. So uh, that's like kind of a, a source of fiber. I do think that that literally proves that dogs can eat, uh, they can eat grasses. In addition to that, if you look at the DNA of a dog uh, and compare it to a wolf, and I actually uh, talk about this in the book as well, because we dive in, we we dive deep into, you know, what what's the ideal diet for a dog? Is it raw? Is it is it like a grain inclusive or a grain free and so many other options and the answer is um uh, i do kind of push back against the raw diet a little bit in the book if you're looking for if you're trying to optimize microbiome diversity a uh, raw diet would not be the optimal diet but uh there we're we're about to launch a new dog food called perfect feast that i feel like is the balance because it is it is grain free i over the past three years have moved more into like, we should probably feed our dogs a grain-free diet, you know, feed them limited grains. Sure. Like they ate that in the wild. Um, I would definitely say that an overabundance of them are not going to do them any favors though. In addition to that, um, you know, I think looking to where trying to get vitamins and minerals from natural sources is also pretty, a pretty good idea. So in this, in this, uh, you know, and I, just as an example, like if you look at uh, vitamin K from a meat source, uh, versus a vegetable source, like a, you know, vitamin K one, it's going to have like a, maybe like a 10 to 20% absorption rate. So you, you know, you take like a gram and you get a hundred milligrams that actually like, and kind of like work, help your body. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you take the same amount of vitamin K from a meat source, you're going to get like 80 to 90% absorption. And so as we're finding out more and more that just like, especially when it comes to dogs, like, okay, well, if we want to help their liver, let's just feed them more liver. If we want to help their kidney, let's feed them more kidney. Like 
one of the one of the funny things you start to learn is like uh just eating the organ meat of what you're trying to um make better is usually the answer that's where like all the we we take all these supplements like humans were often uh we're often recommended choline for uh any sort of liver problems or if you want to just in, increase your liver health and i've taken all sorts of choline supplements but the best source of choline is just eating beef liver or i mean there are a few others but like you could just eat beef liver and so i think bringing things back to simplicity is really a good idea so when we look at you know grain inclusive versus grain free how do we help our dogs i mean we should probably just feed them a little bit of chicken heart or turkey heart or beef heart or whatever it may be and uh, that's probably going to prevent a lot of these issues that that were happening so but who knows i mean you know these are like mass dry kibble manufacturers that were all implicated in this like who knows if some chinese ingredient like made its way into their supply chain i mean i would almost be more inclined to think that's what happened and we'll never find out so i think it's one of those things that will always be the number one debate uh we definitely see it in our facebook comments like people like to get in these debates about uh uh grain versus no grains and um you know it's like let's use some common sense like dogs lived for millions of years without eating a whole lot of grain and they, and they didn't like die of dcm that we know about so you know mm -hmm. that's probably not the best conclusion and i think that you know mo most grains do tend to be a little bit more inflammatory like uh, there's a really interesting chart in humans showing how the human brain actually grew for uh, 2 million years. So uh, humans have been around like 200 to 300,000 years. Mm -hmm. But our predecessors, you know, very similar to us have had been around for um, a lot longer. And so we can look at the the uh, human brain growing for 2 million years, and then we enter the agricultural revolution. And then that's over the last 12,000 years, it started shrinking slowly. So, you know, I mean, is that the cause i mean i i do think it is highly correlated and related causally but um you know you can also look at just how things like um rice and and uh, other very high carb all these things in moderation probably okay but when you when you overload the carbs it does like tend to be inflammatory oh yes absolutely um and i think it's Unfortunately, it's in terms of um, the statements that come out, and I'll use loose air quotes of our scientific leadership, um, a lot of times, is, unfortunately, is not based on things that were actually studied in the numbers. So again, sample size is really important. And then, you know, looking at the different biases that are, you know, confounding the different research that's out there too. And so um, I think that our the news media tends to also sort of sometimes grab hold of something, even though it's not based in what we would consider good science. And again, air quotes, but um, in the scientific community, we're taught, you know, what makes a research paper good, you know, valid, and um, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, st study of five rats and, and yeah. now it's a CNN headline.
Yeah, yeah. So a study of like 300 dogs is nothing really compared, you know, think about the amount of people that are pet owners in, you know, in our country alone, let alone, you know, Canada and, and Europe and, you know, across the planet. So um, it's a pretty big assumption. I think it, you know, like, um, I wouldn't really call it necessarily a conclusion um, to extrapolate from such a small sample size to say something that can have such a large impact on an animal's life. And so, yeah, and we know uh, through so many human studies and, and human evolution that, like you said, like grains are very inflammatory. And, and while our ancestors did make a transition, um, I think there was still a lot about their life and their um, implementing grains into the lifestyle that's way different than how we implement them in our lives today in such a almost a like very skewed manner if you think about it yeah it well it's just crazy how industrialized the world has become too like I, we really lose sight i certainly lost sight until very recently of like just how much work went into preparing anything you wanted to eat like up until 100 years ago so like all of human history has been like if you wanted to eat you really had to work for it like even making bread it's like you can't just go by in the 1700s you can't just go buy yeast from the supermarket like you had to like go and collect it from your field mm -hmm. <laughs> and and so yeah. and and there's so many questions there like i uh i don't know if i'm gonna like um uh like defend bread in this podcast but uh, <laughs> i i would have to ma imagine that like uh having all of the na natural diversity of bacteria that would be included in in you you know collecting a yeast from a field and using that i mean that probably has some benefits just to start on like preventing allergies mm -hmm. I, i'm totally guessing um but you know it, i think it would be it would make sense and so um because the more we expose ourselves in small amounts to our environment you know we can potentially help reduce uh, seasonal allergies and stuff like that every everyone's different but um but uh get actually bringing that around back to the coco mega effect uh we even if no matter what kind of allergy we have we can reduce the symptoms by eating coco mega super fats and so that's one of the really cool things here it gets into kind of like um First, it's just rebalancing a lot of your, uh, a lot of our omega three to omega sixes. But um, the adding the coconut oil to the fish oil or to the cod liver oil, um, uh, any any really kind of omega three supercharges it, and so that that's what all this research shows is that uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, it supercharges the effectiveness of the omega threes. And this was shown on both humans and dogs. And then in addition to that, I also talk about how important it is to include what I call the carbohydrate superfat, which is fiber, uh, including fiber in all of this, because the further research shows that if we combine uh, fiber, which then turns into short chain fatty acids, such as butyrate, uh, so that butyrate actually uh, helps increase the absorption of omega threes into our cells. So all, but that's really I think the the key takeaway of this book is that 
uh, synergistic ingredients, synergistic fats uh, have very cool and uh, beneficial effects on our bodies. And so like if it, you know, if we're having seasonal allergies or like, I'm going to go eat some of the things I'm allergic to like Mexican food, which, you know, that, uh, that's hard, hard to avoid always. It is very mm-hmm. delicious. So like <laughs> if we actually just like take a shot of some super fats before that, we will likely reduce at least some of the impact that that meal is going to have on us. So it's just little things like that, that we can do that are, are very interesting. And that I hope people get out of reading this book is like kind of just an easy playbook, uh, to reduce their autoimmune issues. And is there a specific type of fiber that you combine it with that is synergistic? You know, it really most types of fiber I think are are pretty good. We don't know too much about fiber yet is the thing. Okay. Uh, I mean, certainly research has been done on fibers like inulin. I would call inulin a very high quality source and and definitely like insoluble fiber. I mean, you want both. We want all kinds of fiber. But one of the... Um, one of the takeaways that I think we will find science finding in like 10 to 15 years is that each type of fiber actually produces different families of gut bacteria. So yeah. like if if we're eating uh, a fiber that's derived from like, pick some random vegetable like uh, or fruit like apples. Broccoli, yeah. yeah, broccoli yeah. fiber versus <laughs> apple fiber. I yeah. think that we're going to find that like, fiber isn't fi- just fiber like though each of those is going to produce different beneficial i think in both those cases they would likely be beneficial but um you know okay maybe one family is better for people with food allergies and another is better for people who like have bad breath or i don't know so you know i think there there's uh, no science done on this yet uh mm-hmm. we are so early in microbiome research that mm-hmm. we tend to find like you know, we'll, we'll see like, okay, these, these families of bacteria grew from this, from doing this one study. But yeah, I mean, definitely nothing has been done yet on showing like all these individual uh, fibers. So, to, you know, to get back to your question, I think the best thing we can do is actually try to get a diversity of fibers. And that that's where I get back. Uh, one reason I think that a strict raw diet for dogs may not be the most ideal. Uh, certainly the head head nose to tail feeding is like a very good principle of that diet but and and a lot of raw people do add coconut oil and they add some fiber and so i think when you get there i still will always say air drying the food is going to be beneficial uh just to reduce pathogens but okay yeah because that's bad bacteria it's like eating a a bad probiotic or something. And mm-hmm. so we can avoid that by, by at least flash cooking our food. So, you know, it, 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 it can, a raw diet can be okay, but uh, generally speaking, a lot of them are very deficient in a lot of that, that ingredient variety. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, I, that's an important thing. Like if, if microbiome diversity is a, the number one kind of statistic that we can tie to longevity and uh, with that reduced obesity, reduced uh, allergies, reduced gut health issues, uh, literally every study is basically tied to microbiome diversity. And so using that as the barometer, if we're just trying to optimize that, like we 
do want to probably get some amount of fruits and vegetables in our dog's diet. Yeah, and I just want to reiterate too that our cells are made up of a phospholipid bilayer. So what does that actually mean? It means our cells are made up of this bilayer of lipids. So that's fat, it's cholesterol, it's really important. And so in so much of, I know on the human side of things, fats have really been demonized, um, you know, and we're finally starting to feel like come out of that era. And, you know, we're at least, we have, you know, the different uh, cardiovascular associations saying, oh, okay, well, Mediterranean style eating, which is high in, you know, olive oil and, and omega-3s and fish oils. And, and so we're finally starting to come back to that and that ad- acknowledgement that it is good. And so um, I think it's really fascinating that now, um, you know, from books like yours that we're really starting to under- understand the synergy of combining the different types of good fat and what an even better effect that can have on our health. And again, having that healthy fat intake helps your body absorb certain nutrients. You know, um, a lot of our nutrients are what we call fat soluble, meaning like there has to be fat available for our body to absorb them. And so I think that can, you know, sometimes be overlooked too. Like if you're going to take a vitamin D supplement, if you take it on an empty stomach, it's not going to really do much for you because you need that fat present in order for it to be absorbed. Yeah, that's a great point. The fats, fats are just like a native part of our natural biology and we definitely need them. Um, and unfortunately so many fats are, are produced as, I mean, canola oil is probably the worst fat in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, not, not only is it a seed oil, but it's made through this 11 step chemical manufacturing process. Uh, at one point it's like this black sludge that's absolutely disgusting. But, you know, I mean, we created uh, uh, canola oil because, um, you know, like industrial producers were looking for a way to monetize a lot of their um, like scraps, a lot of their their um, excess, just like stuff yeah. they were producing. Isn't and it, yeah, and uh, like what, what, carbon byproduct, isn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, par- parts of it are so. Yeah. yeah we're it's just better to stick to things like olive oil i mean olive oil at this point is so heavily researched to be beneficial and and in fact i thought about um kind of like adding that at some point i want to do a human version of the book so it'll just be the coco mega effect someday um i'm i'm still writing writing a book is no uh easy task so i'm still (laughs) just kind of uh gonna that that's not coming out anytime soon the canine coco mega effect really says it all um but i did question like whether i wanted to explore uh olive oil too and um i just like uh i i just couldn't do the add that deep dive on top of the six months that i spent doing this after you know going mm-hmm. through I, I mean at this point over the last four years i've i've gone over three thousand clinical studies you know from front to back and so yeah. A lot, you know, a lot, a lot was involved also with this book and it ends up being a lot of research, but, you know, u- ultimately omega-3 is very, very beneficial, uh, olive oil, another one of those. And like humans have been eating olive oil for so long. It's like, you know, it, it is just, it never really seems to be bad for us. 
whereas like a lot of these new oils are very untested um the people who are are funding the studies on them are the, the manufacturers so like should mm-hmm. we trust that and then uh kind of as you were mentioning before like you know who's even like running the fda uh, you know to be honest the fda lately is they they did something that really bothered me which was they they made nmn which is a supplement that i i'm not necessarily a big fan of i i just like as of now don't think it's that effective mm-hmm. i think the research also shows nmn uh, for longevity not to be that effective mm-hmm. but and and dr sinclair will say that you know it, it's a fat soluble um molecule and and the research studies didn't you know uh, administer administer it properly which may or may not be true um i think it'll be found to be not super effective in any uh scenario but i i think it's a, a huge injustice that the fda has taken a molecule that is not dangerous uh like there's no reason to believe that it is dangerous mm-hmm. and it, it's something nmn is something that uh, resides in our bodies anyway very associated with longevity and they uh, banned it from the supplement market in order to allow uh, a company, just one private company to sell it and uh, as a pharmaceutical. And so, you know, I think that that just shows that the level of corruption that we still have in the FDA, I'm sure there are uh, many, many fine people in the organization, but I found that to be absolutely terrible that what they did there. Yeah. And that's not the first time they've done that either. Like they've tried, they've tried to do that with NAC and acetylcysteine. Um, but, you know, luckily it's, that one is, I think, similar, it's sim- similar to, you know, NMN. But um, anyway, yeah, they have a, a long history of doing things like that, which unfortunately I don't think is in the best interest of the public. Um, it's obvious, like which interest they've chosen in these specific instances. Yeah, we'll say exactly. that. <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, we're um, coming up to the end of our time here, but let's. What are um, three tips to help dogs live longer? Ooh, this is a good one. The first is intermittent fasting, and uh, fasting in general. Intermittent fasting has the same benefits on dogs as it does humans. And, you know, putting our dogs on a 24 hour fast is also going occasionally is also going to have benefits too. like I uh, depending on how good I'm being, I'll I'll do a 24 hour fast every week, sometimes every two to three weeks, again, depending on how good I'm being. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I mean, just putting our body in these modes of kind of starvation, um, ultimately have are always shown to be beneficial uh you know think about the struggle our ancestors went through uh that dogs went through and trying to find their next meal um you know we're really replicating that so the first is intermittent fasting the second is wait 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 i want to (laughs) for intermittent fasting what is your time frame for a dog uh it can be pretty loose i would just say to start just feed our to just feed our dogs two meals a day like okay, i okay. i don't think three meals are are necessary and uh like my dog will typically eat at 10 a.m and 5 or 6 p.m so it's not too tight of an intermittent okay. fasting schedule at all um but i think that when we're feeding our dog three meals a day unless our dog has like 
diabetes or something like that, where it's a, maybe a different, um, they have different circumstances, mm -hmm. you know, t typically, yeah, I, there's no need for a third meal. Um, you can feed it, but I don't, yeah. the, the second, uh, the second thing we can do for our dogs is to, uh, stop feeding them dry kibble. So, um, as I was alluding to before, dry kibble is a manufacturer is made through a manufacturing process called hot extrusion that oxidizes all the fats. So not, it's really like this grinder that mm -hmm. uh, they put high heat and high pressure through and, and push the food through. And so not only is it grinding the nutrients down, which is what you hear about a lot when people talk about dry kibble, mm -hmm. but the bigger problem is that it oxidizes, oxidizes all the fats, turning them into free radicals, which when we feed that to our dog for years and years, we're feeding them unpaired electrons that need to bond with another one. The way that they do that is by stealing electrons from cells in our dog's body. And so over time, that's what's going to lead to cancer, uh, general degeneration of cellular health, meaning like all sorts of diseases. And so, you know, feeding our dogs anything but dry kibble is a huge like multi-year life extension and again every dog is different but like on average uh pretty safe to say that our dogs can live for you know a couple years longer not feeding them dry kibble then finally is and this is going to be no surprise to anyone who uh, has been listening to this so far but it's feeding our dogs the right fats and uh in particular coco mega super fats but getting rid of the seed oils, that's been a big part of our message at Yum Wolf lately. And, you know, it, it, it's something that I feel very strongly about because almost every dog food brand uses seed oils. Like for anyone who's listening to this, go check your dog's food. See if it has sunflower oil, safflower oil. If you feed them really bad dog food, if, if your dog's food has canola oil listed in the ingredients right now, like, you know, that you are like not even feeding a mid-tier dog food by the way but mm -hmm. but the you know even our top like fresh food competitors online still have all sorts of sunflower oil seed oil and uh, there are a variety of reasons for that but those are those don't have to be used no matter what they'll tell you about like uh get making sure that the omega-6 levels are right one they're not balancing it with more expensive omega-3s uh, so that's just one knock against them right there. And then two, um, you can't, we can formulate dog food to have the right levels of omega-6 without seed oil. So essentially it's just a cheap ingredient that is not doing anyone any good. Um, in the pet industry in particular, there's a lot of blog articles that have been written by the major dog food brands, Purina, stuff like that. Uh, talking about the benefits of of seed oils or the benefits of omega sixes, and uh, people repeat those blog articles all over the internet. But the fact is, is you know, in human nutrition, you never hear anything like that. Um, the and the fact, I mean, all the research just shows why more omega threes, more coconut oil is beneficial. So definitely getting rid of bad fats, getting the right fats into our dog's diet can play a huge role in helping them live longer and have fewer uh, inflammatory issues. 
Yeah. Oh, man. So all of that is so good. Um, I'm so grateful for all the time and effort that you put into researching and writing this book. I think it's going to really um, lend a lot of valuable, concise, you know, information out there so like people can have a good, reliable source and maybe have a more clear path forward and how to help our dogs and you know our loved ones live longer and again i think there's so many aspects about this that is translatable into the human side of things which is why i wanted to talk to you today so thank you so much is there anything else that you want to bring forward before we finish up it's been such a pleasure being here and getting to know you uh over the past uh you know a little bit now and uh yeah you know people can find me Jaron Lucas with a K on um, Instagram. You can Yum Wolf is my company. We we make non-GMO air-dried dog food. And uh, my book, The Canine Coco Mega Effect, you can both find it on yumwolf.com and Amazon. And uh, Amazon's the best place to get it. And uh, I hope everyone enjoys reading about it and changes their diet like I did. Like after writing this book, I really did start eating fish twice a week. Any day I don't eat fish, I now eat cod liver oil as a supplement and uh, boost that with MCTs and, and lauric acid. And so I hope uh, I hope people after reading the research are as convinced as I am about this. Yes. So everybody definitely go over to yumwolf.com, check out the dog food, check out the book, The Coco Mega Effect. And um, thank you, Jaren. Again, thank you so much. My pleasure. Great to be here.